0: It's Friday, November the 12th, and this is your Morning Briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Lukashenko threatens Europe's gas and Singles Day slows its stride. First, the world in brief. President Alexander Lukashenko threatened to cut the natural gas that passes through Belarus from Russia to Europe escalating the migrant crisis he engineered on his country's Polish border. The EU had warned that it would impose further sanctions on his regime. To make good on his threat, Mr Lukashenko would need cooperation from Gazprom, which owns the pipeline, and by extension, the Russian government. An appeals court temporarily blocked the release of Donald Trump's telephone records and other documents relating to the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. On Tuesday, a lower court had ruled former presidents had no right to withhold such records. They were due to be handed to Congress on Friday. A court will next consider the matter on November 30th the sixth plenum of the Chinese Communist Party passed a resolution casting Xi Jinping as a leader of almost unparalleled standing, on a par with only Mao Zedong, the party's revolutionary leader, and Deng Xiaoping, his successor. With the country's current president all but certain to secure a third term, the proclamation will help Mr Xi cement his cult status. Singles Day, a bacchanal of online Chinese consumerism, proved more restrained than usual. Alibaba, the e-commerce giant that popularized the concept, received orders worth 540.3 billion yuan over the event's 11 days, marking 8.5% more than last year but also its smallest increase since 2009. The understated promotion of the sale was in part a result of China's big tech crackdown. China approved the first clinical trials of Arcovax, a domestically produced mRNA COVID-19 vaccine, which it hopes to distribute as a booster shot. Chinese regulators never granted approval to foreign mRNA jabs, such as Pfizer's, leaving the country to rely on less effective, homegrown vaccines based on inactivated viruses. Trials of ARCOVAX are underway both in China and abroad. Austria's Chancellor, Alexander Schallenberg, said that a national lockdown for those unvaccinated against COVID-19 was, quote, inevitable. Upper Austria, a province on the German border, is enacting such a lockdown on Monday. A surge in infections means 20% of intensive care beds are currently occupied by Covid patients. The country has one of Western Europe's lowest vaccination rates at just 65%. The current chair and former chief executive of London Energy, a Swedish oil company, were charged with complicity in war crimes in Sudan. Swedish prosecutors allege the company asked the government to secure an oil field, knowing that this would necessitate attacks on civilians by the army. It is the first such case brought against businessmen since the Nuremberg trials. Both executives and the company deny the charges. And figure of the day, 99.64% the percentage of Russia's criminal trials that ended in conviction last year. And now, here's today's agenda. Entering the endgame. COP26 The UN Climate Summit in Glasgow ends on Friday, with the final gavel scheduled to fall by 6pm British time. The Mexican delegation has reportedly offered Archie Young, Britain's lead negotiator, a bottle of tequila if proceedings wrap up on time. The Russians have promised vodka. Mr. Young will probably be buying his own drinks. Much is unresolved, including how much money rich countries should give to poor ones to help them limit climate change and when. No framework for a global carbon market or significant funds to reimburse vulnerable countries for damage already incurred has emerged. Limited progress has been made. New climate pledges, if respected, will put the world on track for temperatures of 2.4 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels by 2100, an improvement on previous prognosis of 2.7 degrees Celsius but significantly above the Paris Agreement goal of two degrees Celsius and preferably 1.5 degrees Celsius. China and America promised to work together to reduce their emissions over the next decade. More surprising than the declaration would be adherence to it. Coming Attractions, Disney's new shows. Eternals, Disney's latest superhero adventure, is getting a lukewarm reception at the box office. Equally, investors threw rotten tomatoes on Wednesday after the company announced feeble quarterly earnings. After markets closed on Wednesday evening, Hollywood's biggest studio revealed that its Disney Plus streaming service had added only 2.1 million subscribers in its latest quarter, half as many as Netflix, its larger rival. In early trading the next morning, its shares fell by over 8% before recovering slightly. Disney's problem has been a lack of fresh streaming content. Today, it hopes to put that right by announcing a blitz of Disney Plus projects. The studio is expected to unveil new shows that draw on its deep well of intellectual property, from Star Wars to Marvel. And it is giving Disney Plus subscribers other treats, such as entry to its theme parks before the official opening time. A reminder that, in the streaming wars, the studio can draw on assets its rivals don't have. What goes up? Inflation and politics in India. Inflation gives American policymakers an unpleasant reminder of their 1970s funk. In India, where voters are prone to expel governments over the price of onions, politicians never forgot the feeling. Out of sheer habit, they will be watching Friday's Consumer Price Index update with bated breath. India's inflation is cooling from its summertime high. Consumer prices are expected to increase by barely 4%, well below the 6% that the central bank tolerates. That should postpone higher interest rates until next year. Still, the CPI basket contains prickly points. Fuel costs have proven painful, thanks mainly to taxation. Mindful of by-elections held last week, the government of Narendra Modi slashed taxes on petrol and diesel. Cheaper fuel has a knock-on effect on vegetable prices. India's Prime Minister need not cry over onions as his predecessors did. When he was elected, prices and sleaze were the electorate's main concern. Nowadays, unemployment and culture wars matter more. Not another one. Bulgaria's election. Bulgarians vote on Sunday. Again. Two general elections this year have failed to produce a government. This time, the presidency will be up for grabs as well. Gerb, the centre-right party of former Prime Minister Boyko Borisov, will probably come first again, but it is unlikely to be able to form a coalition. If, we continue the change, a new anti-GURB coalition does as well as the polls predict, it might just break the stalemate. Started by two former ministers, it will siphon off votes from those disappointed with the previous anti-GURB parties, especially that of Slavy Trifonov, a maverick former TV showman who seems to have missed his chance to lead the EU's poorest country. And leadership is much in need. Thanks to anti-vax lobbies, only 21% of the population is double-jabbed. An average of 166 people are dying of COVID-19 every day. Reversing that should be the next government's priority. Footnotes, the right to die. Although still uncommon, Assisted Dying is changing how people think about the end of life. Georgia Banjo covers foreign affairs for The Economist. She recently wrote about the rapid legalisation and acceptance of the practice in the West. Assisted Dying in the few countries where it is permitted is usually reserved for those with chronic, incapacitating conditions or terminal illnesses. This makes the right to die murkiest for those with dementia, mental illness, or older people who are simply tired of living. The Inevitable, a book by veteran journalist Katie Engelhart, focuses on six people who are seeking the right to die, even if it means circumventing the law. Mara Buchbinder, a medical anthropologist, studied the introduction of Vermont's Aid in Dying Laws she describes herself as ambivalent about assisted dying. In her book, Scripting Death, she argues that assisted dying is not just about ending suffering, but in some cases curating a, quote, good death. Andrew Denton, a talk show host in Australia, where assisted death is now permitted in a number of states, hosts the podcast Better Off Dead, which considers the moral and practical implications of legalisation. The most poignant arguments Georgia came across were from personal experience and expert testimony. The documentary Laura's Choice follows Laura Henkel, a 90-year-old Australian woman who travelled to Switzerland to die. It was produced by her daughter and granddaughter, who struggled to come to terms with Miss Henkel's decision. For those left behind an assisted death can feel like a blessing or a curse the pandemic during which many have died alone in a hospital may have helped to remove some of this ambivalence for more of george's reporting follow her on twitter finally here's the quote of the day from elizabeth cady stanton who was born on this day in 1815. To make laws that man cannot and will not obey serves to bring all law into contempt. That's it from The Economist morning briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence,